Happy Halloween. It is Locked on Jazz coming to you from Minneapolis, Minnesota, where the Jazz look to wrap up their road trip going 4-0 and on the trip. We'll break down who the Minnesota Timberwolves are right now. They are really having an out-of-body experience. They're the walking zombies of the NBA. Ah. We'll look at that. We'll look at some more shot distribution stuff, and we'll take your questions today. All coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. Today's show is coming to you live on Facebook Live in our Facebook, the Locked on Jazz Facebook group. Certainly glad to have you. If you've joined that group, we have good conversation with it. I'm going to try to learn how to make it a hub during games for you. Um, I've got a guy, Jesse, who's been really helpful to me, and I'm too lame to totally get it. And so um, that has prevented us from being... Uh, at that point so far. For those of you on the Facebook group, here's the here's Minneapolis, Minnesota for you today. Uh there's my there's my art. No art. There's the room. Okay. We always like to give you a little view of what it's like to live for your eight hundredth straight day on the road. Ah let me get home. Uh welcome to Cody Smith who just joined in. John Gilman who just joined in. Marcus Baker, Keenan Sperlin from Grip Six. Uh Gentry Steele and Mark Mills. Glad to have you aboard uh the Face Locked on Jazz Facebook group. We want to take your questions uh as well during the show today. So please jump aboard uh and do that and uh, submit your questions and let us know. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast in the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky little numbers, and all of that. Uh, I just want to wrap up. We'll get into Minnesota. Uh, I, on the plane yesterday, I did a bunch of work on um, shot distribution, what the value of it is. So as of, well, I guess I could update it, but as of last night, before last night's game, the Jazz uh, were the number two, or excuse me, the number five team in the league in shot distribution. In other words, uh, this does not equate the way the other number I gave you a little bit talked about what uh, value of open shots and the Jazz between their shot selection and their open shots were the number one team in the league. So that's a little bit different. What this is is just simply saying if the average player took your shots uh, from the spots on the floor where you are, what would the impact be? Right now the Jazz are the fifth best team in the league. They have a points gained of plus 2.5. Here's what's really interesting that's going on in the league right now. There is a tremendous discrepancy between those teams that are playing analytical basketball and those teams that are not. Uh, for example, there are now 11 teams in the NBA that are taking 70% of their shots or more, 12 teams actually, Charlotte's 12, 12 teams in the NBA they are taking their shots as smart shots, so restricted area or threes. Last year that number was three. On the flip side, if there are 12 teams at 70 or above, there are nine teams, actually eight teams at 64% or below. It's a pretty big jump there. And actually, I'm wrong on that. I just realized that there's um, there's actually another. So there's, there's nine teams at 64.1% or below. 
So what you have going on is this huge gap. And I talked about this when the season started. This is what was going to happen this year. Is this huge gap taking place. The impact of this is that the points gained by teams have a pretty big swing. So, for example, Minnesota is negative 1.8 points gained on a given night. The Jazz are a plus 2.6, 2.55. So I would tell you, just coming into this game tonight, based on shot distribution alone, the Jazz have an incredible four-point advantage. Incredible. If everyone shoots average tonight, the Jazz would win by four. Solely based on shot distribution. Now, Minnesota might be a little bit of a better shooting team. I'm not sure they are with Derrick Rose and Andrew Wiggins and some of those guys that they are any better. But that's where we sit right now, that this discrepancy between these teams, Minnesota 22nd in the league, Jazz in fifth, is going to impact wins and losses at a rate that it's never done before. The other thing that we talked about when the when the week started was that Houston has a numbers problem because they used to have such an enormous advantage and they don't have it anymore. And that they were the ones saying this. That they think that they won nine games a, last year because of their numbers advantage and now the rest of the league has caught them. And that is totally true. Mike D'Antoni said this to Craig Ackerman. I ran the numbers. Houston right now is fourth in the NBA in points gained by shot selection. Fourth. Last year, they were 100% better than number two. 100%. Two times. And this year, they are fourth. We're not getting any comments today from any of the listeners. No, can I, Matt Moon, can I meet Joe Ingles? Are the comments blocked because we're on the Locked on Jazz Facebook group and I suddenly have to approve them and I've done something here that screws this up? If any of the 32 of you that are listening right now, huge audience, uh, have a moment and can just drop a hello or something on the group and let me know if we're getting them, that would be good because if I'm not getting them, then i got to make a quick adjustment on what I'm doing for uh, questions today because they're they're not coming in. Uh, So let me know on that. Uh, welcome to Nolan Smith and Sean Buck, who just joined the uh, Locked on Jazz uh, Facebook group. So that's the big item there that we've talked about all week long, and and I finally really just dug into it on the plane and rebuilt some spreadsheets to build it. I didn't have it so that I could build it during um, the season. The Lakers are number one in the league at points gained because they're taking an incredible 45% of their shots in the restricted area. We've only had one team in five years over 40% of their shots in the restricted area. We've got the Lakers at 45, the Clippers at 41, the Pelicans at 40. Rudy Gobert is on the rec- is on a pace to break all the dunk records is at 38. The league is at 33%. Again, that's got some, like Boston's at 26% of their shots in the restricted area right now. Compared to the Lakers, who are at 45. That's, we've got some wide-ranging stuff. The Boston Celtics shot distribution is terrible. Now, is that the personality? I mean, Brad Stevens is known as a genius. They're 25th in the league in points gained. 25th. So they're Cleveland. Uh, so the top five are the Lakers at 4.66 points gained. That's a lot. 
might be why they're in these close games. The Bucks are number two at 3.48. And what's important about that number is what they were a year ago, which was, you know, not very good. And so now you suddenly have them adding these off last year's. That's why the Bucks have become so good. Number three in the league is Atlanta. Lloyd Pierce, even though they're not good. So this doesn't equate to winning necessarily. Houston at four. Just might make blowout games closer. And the Jazz at five. Nick Nurse's Raptors, who were two last year, are now 11th. Phoenix and Igor is sixth. Seventh is Dallas. Eighth is Brooklyn. Interesting how little it's equating to winning right now. Denver's nine. But I think it's going to get tough. Philadelphia, who's losing more than they should, is at 28th. The Spurs are at 30th with a minus six. They're, they're going to have to outshoot you at an alarming rate to be able to beat you. Um... So that 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 should jump out. That was so that kind of I wanted to do that to maybe uh, wrap up the kind of almost the discussion we've had all week long on that. Um, it's been really kind of an interesting week, at least for me, to be able to add those things to the mix and uh, hopefully make you guys understand a little bit and be a part of it. Uh, this is Locked On Jazz. I'm David Locke. Let's. Move to our next thing we're going to talk. Well, first, let me tell you about the mudslide cookie. That's right. It is a mudslide cookie day. We can talk about the mudslide cookie. Uh, There's so many great things going on at the store. The holidays are right around the corner. So for Thanksgiving and all that, I mean, the store is the answer. Fridays is when June pie comes. Uh, If you walk into the store on the left side door, right there are your June pies. On the back side of that is all their salsas and their guacamoles and the tortilla chips, and they're all made in the back. You go to the left, and you've got, you can see lox picks on the fresh-squeezed orange juice. Love that. Have all the produce in the back, and if you sneak your head around the corner, you can see them making the guacamole and the pico de gallo and all the great stuff. Circling back, now you're heading toward the back of the, of, of the store. With the, and you feel the local feel because you get to the local cheese plate and all of the great cheeses from across the country that Jeff and Scott have gone and found. Then you get to the back where the chef has made all the new sandwiches and the wraps and all the things Amy's most excited about there. And then you have the butchers in the back, and they have their new meat and all. And then... This is the route, by the way, you need to take. If you need anything in those aisles, you go ahead. You move past the coffee, and then you head down in, and then the last spot is the mudslide cookie. And you grab the mudslide cookie, and you get it for all of its deep chocolate decadence. 6200 South, 20th East, it's the store. That's 6200 South and 20th East, the store. All right, Minnesota Timberwolves are the opponent tonight. They're a little tough for us because Anthony Tolliver and Carl Anthony Towns both are elite-level catch-and-shoot stretch five bigs. So this is not a great matchup for us. Carl uh, Anthony Towns above the break, 13 of 28. Anthony Tolliver, uh, 48% from three last year. Uh, 48% this year, 43% from three last year. Both those guys will pull you out. Jazz in the past have had favors go guard Carl Anthony Towns. And then Gobert guards Taj Gibson. I don't know if they'll do that again, but that's what they've done in the past. And then you have Gibson, who's 33 years old, not as mobile. 
and Rudy can still try to cause all the, the havoc. What's interesting on this group is trying to figure out who they are in the midst of all the turmoil. Now, they, Jimmy Butler, who caused all the turmoil, is having this unbelievably awesome year, which feels almost unfair. Carl Anthony Towns has just disengaged, and I can show it numerically, and Jeff Teague has just not been very good. Now, I don't know how he's impacted by it. No one's talking about that. But Butler's having his career-high effective field goal percentage. He's dropped his mid-range shots. He's pounding on the rim. He's getting fouled in an elite level. He's terrific. The... He's had 32 versus L.A., including the game-winning threes of, you know, 23 points, five rebounds, three assists. You dig into Carl Anthony Towns, holy smokes. 24% of his shots are at the rim. They were 44%. He's finishing at 55%. He was finishing at 70%. He was being fouled 14.5% of the time. He's now being fouled 4% of the time. His field goal percentage has gone from 55 to 42. His rebounds from 12 to 9.9. His effective field goal percentage from 60 to 50. Little tiny thing. It's not that big a deal. He does not have an offensive rebound off a free throw. Not something you do a lot, but it's always an effort thing. He he is hitting the above the break. Last year, his mid-range was great at 48%. But his usage is way down. His turnovers are way up. He had an energized game against JaVale McGee and the Lakers the other day. And, but who knows what you're getting today. We have them in a good spot in the sense that we have the, they played the Lakers, they play us, then they play the Warriors. If they're going to let down in one of those, it's going to be us. However, I will say this. We have been out here forever. And I would not be surprised at all if we are not dead as a doorknob. Just dead, 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 dead. Uh, I think it could be could be a tough night for us a little bit uh, in our energy. Um, just been here out too long, sitting around, nothing to do other than eat big, great meals, which is what I've done. But I don't know what the guy The guys are probably better than that. But, I mean, still, we've just been out here a long time. It's a weird trip. We played a game, sat for two, played back-to-back, sat for two, and played again. I think the organization's done a good job in kind of how they spaced our travel and gave guys days off and um, all that, but um, I'm not sure there's anything you can do. So we'll see. If we can go 4-0 and on the strip, it's obviously mammoth. And I think we're playing well. All the defensive numbers um, are good. Let's scan one thing I wanted to scan, uh, and that was – and actually, I haven't done this yet, so uh, we're doing this together uh, – I'm just making you do my – is what were the Jazz offensive ratings and defensive ratings last year against Minnesota? Pretty much similar team. So second game of the year, we played Minnesota. We had an offensive rating of 100, which was our 64th rating of the year, and our defensive rating of a 51. We lost that game by three. So our defensive rating of 101.6. So we shut them down. We didn't have a problem with Towns on that day. But we uh, – our it was our 51st. Our second time we played them – our offense, again, didn't really go at 102.3. Again, this was early, but our defense was terrible. 114 defensive rating was our 76th defensive performance out of 90 last year. Out of 92, I think. 
So our two defensive performances early in the year were 51st and 76th. Then we played them later in the year without Butler. Let me see what I don't remember the middle game. Um, I remember that one because I watched it on television. I didn't call it. Uh, as Steve Brown filled in for me while I was uh, in Wenatchee, Washington. At the, we played them on March 2nd. Our offense clicked in on that one. We had our 20th best offense game. But again, our defense wasn't great, 109.5. So this is where we, we won that game by eight. But we struggle usually with them defensively. That game got fast on us. And then maybe our best singular performance of the year, Jimmy Butler was out. April 1st, we crushed him. Beat him by 24, 123 offensive rating, eighth best of the year, 94 defensive rating, one of the better of the year. But, you know, that March 2nd game, 109.5, 65th ranked defensive outing of the year. And the two early, the 76th defensive rating of the year and the 51st defensive rating of the year. Okay, so we are below average for us defensively in three of the four games against them last year. Let me get to some of your questions. What is the best case scenario for the season of finishing second and playing best case scenario for the season finishing second and playing the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals? Yeah. It'd be incredible. Like, that'd be incredible. I mean, that's yeah, that's the best case scenario. That would be tr- amazing. There's 36 comments, and I haven't seen any of them on my phone. wonder what happened there. Cat uh, might be spending some quality time at the – yeah, I don't know. We're not going to say that on there. Um, let me see if I can get all 36 comments. Uh, I cannot. Uh, Rudy and Ricky – oh, there's other comments about people – um, any thoughts on Gordon Hayward's slow start? Yeah, I mean, it's sad. Like, I think he's dealing with um, trying to get his body back together. I think it's really, really hard. Um, you know, I, I mean, I don't like Gordon for leaving, but I don't, like, we don't need to, like, make up different a different reality for him. You know, he can't, he's coming off a, a brutal injury. He uh, has, hasn't played in a year. He's a precision player. And I, he doesn't have any of those things. Then you have a group of guys that I think have all gelled without him. And he's trying to um, join into the group. I don't think he knows how to do that. And then he's also a guy who, personality-wise, I've said this about him when he was with us, if you tell him the sky is blue, you're going to have to prove it to him. So he's a little bit of a doubter just to start with. And I don't think that's probably helping him a great deal right now, if that makes any sense. Right? I think when you look at who he is as a personality, I think he's going to have a hard time with this. Brett Wood says, to me, Dante spends too much time dribbling. Um, I think that's accurate. I'm not sure. Dante does not have significant enough hours on the floor to comfortably read the game as a point guard yet. Okay? So you see flashes of it. You see him making plays and doing really great things and the hook pass to Niang the other night, and all those kind of things happen. But if you think about someone like Ricky Rubio, who started the game at nine years old or whatever as a point guard playing the whole time and and then played all the national and Europe stuff, um, the... 
that's he, that's just not something <clears throat> that he that Dante has in his back pocket for time. Played Australian basketball where he was, you know, a million times better than every single player he was out there playing high school. He then didn't play any college. He sat out that extra year. His international experience is actually far more limited than it looks, and he's often playing off the ball in those circumstances. So he's trying to do something that I'm not sure he's done a lot of in his career, and that's and we're, and so it's hard for him. So yes, um, there are times when I think he's dribbling the ball too much because he's trying to figure out what he is, what he's doing, where he's playing, what all the reads are. There is a uh, ticket opportunity for you through Vivid Seats. It's an online event ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with experiences that last a lifetime. So Vivid Seats, listeners can watch your favorite teams, artists perform in person. Friday's game against Memphis. Big game's coming up. Friday's next week from Friday's game against Boston. You can find your seats to live events, sports, concerts, theater, more. Maybe Pac-12 championship games. You go to the App Store, Google Play, download the Vivid Seats app, enter the promo code Locked On to receive $20 off any orders of $200 or more as a new Vivid Seats customer. The promo code is Locked On. All Vivid Seats orders are 100% guaranteed. Again, listeners receive $20 off, $200 or more of the first-time customer of Vivid Seats with the promo code Locked On. Let Vivid Seats be there for you to see the live events of your choice and have experiences that will last a lifetime. All right, let's get back to the questions. And then i got to head to shoot-around. We have an 11 o'clock shoot-around today, so a little later uh, than usual. Uh, when calculating possessions per game, does an offensive rebound count as an extra possession? Depends on uh, how you count it. Usually it does not. Um, and then the question then is whether play, uh, cleaning the glass calls and plays, it's a new play on an offensive rebound possessions. It is not. Is Alec losing minutes in the future with his injury? Grayson looks like he could take advantage of it. Grayson played great. Grayson played great in the training camp as well. Alex playing really, really well also. Um, so I think it's kind of an interesting intermix there of those two. They're different skills. Grayson is playing well, shooting well. He's got some guts. He's a nice player. Um, Alex got the experience, probably better defensively right now. Uh, they serve different purposes. I think Quinn will use them in their different purposes. Uh, during yesterday's episode of Locked in NBA, John Corrales and Jake Madison dogged on Utah saying that nobody would want to come to Salt Lake for an all-star game. Um, can you put them in their place? Well, they're going to Cleveland in 2022, so if they come to Salt Lake in 2023, I think they'll be all right. Our defense is struggling because they've been asked to increase pace on their end. Is it difficult to increase pace and maintain your defense? Seth Deckard. Uh, traditionally, defenses that teams that play fast... Uh, do not play as well defensively. Defenses are struggling because of the the, um, the movement rules, I think. But they're not struggling. This is the thing. This is the thing. We got to like, this is analytically, okay, my eyes tell me that they're struggling. I'm seeing all these big point numbers. And then analytically, I go do the analysis and teams are not shooting better. The points per possession are up by like 0.3 or 0.4, which is minimal and less and less. As the year goes on, that number should increase. Offenses get better as the year goes on. Um, then it gets to be substantial. So the really thing would be to look at the end of the month and see 
and we only have one year sample size with a shortened training camp, so it's hard to tell, but compare last year to this year and see what it is. And maybe we'll find out it's more than a, about a point of possession, then you add possessions being up, and then or a point per 100 possessions, and then possessions being up, and then that number gets up. Um, so pace is way up, I think. I think that's it. Pace, and I don't think it's the offensive rebounding thing. It just the math doesn't work on that. So um, pace is up. And that could be leading to defense because teams are running and so they're not getting back defensively. For example, tonight, uh, though, Minnesota's number one in transition offense, number 28 in half court. They're last in the NBA defensively after a turnover. So if they turn it over, they just don't get back. Does increased pace of play correlate to increase of injuries? In the old days, we thought so with the Warriors, with the run TMC. This is from Connor Packham. Uh, the run TMC Warrior teams used to run more than everyone else. And I remember reading an article about thinking that maybe they ended up with uh, more injuries because of it because you're running up and down the floor more. Now, on the other end, uh, half court, you might have a hard time. Um, you know, you've got to defend more, be in the crouch, work. So maybe maybe now that people really play defense in the half court, it's not the same. Uh, from Jeremy Firkin, bring your own coffee on the road, favorite coffee shop on the road. I do bring my own coffee on the road. Um, I've got it right here. You don't really need my phone number. Um, but I have that on. In case I lose it, because I lose everything. Um, the so I and I have my AeroPress over here. Here was the coffee shop this morning. Um, I also go to good coffee shops when I can find them. I don't have one in Minnesota. Uh, I haven't really found Igor and I struggled here in Minnesota to find a good coffee shop. And the coffee group has not formed this year. Kind of gone out a few times, but there's no there's no vibe on the coffee group yet. hasn't hasn't built. I miss my buddy Igor. Uh, Igor and I would go out every day as much for the just spend time together as the coffee. Uh, is Houston heading for disaster or will they right the ship? Uh, I don't know the answer to that. It does not sound good in Houston. Tony McMahon's done a great job covering it. Um, I mean, these comments that they got to switch their entire defense. We've lost our swagger. I mean, to their defense, they haven't played James and Chris together very often. So. I do think that there's a little bit of it's misleading that they don't have their guys together. The you know the Thunder didn't have their guys together, and suddenly they've won a few games, and it looks like they're going to be more fine than we thought. Maybe not. Um, but it is interesting, and Houston doesn't look doesn't look and feel right, and they're old, and the rule changes are not helping them. Um, it's it's really interesting to see what's taking place here. Talking about injury incident, could you ask some of the trainers? Oh, Alistair Clayton really wants this trainer information. Alistair, I'm willing to do it. The only problem on some of that is there is a proprietary element of that where I think that we're going to have a little bit of where um, the team doesn't probably want me to share all of the injury th things we do to prevent injuries or that we're hoping to do that we think is better than everybody else because then if we do that, then other people find out about it. Uh, last game, I tried to listen in my work in my league pass. Oh, that this was a different comment, and it wouldn't work. By the way, I still want updates on Alexa, if it's working or not, as well as League Pass or however you're listening to the program, uh, the broadcast. I, I'd love to um, I'd love to have that. So, All right, uh, I think that wraps us up for the day. We're at 27 minutes. We're trying to keep the shows to 30. Thank you very much for tuning in. Thanks for joining the Locked on Jazz Facebook group. Thanks for being a part of this exclusive club. And I will hopefully learn how to have a – uh, setting so that we can have a game chat going on. I'll work on that today or for Friday. Um, I don't quite understand how to do that yet. Have a great one. Thanks very much for tuning in. Go to the store, have the mudslide cookie, and tell me about it. See you.